Welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast, where you'll learn all the best tips, tricks, and practical techniques for building the confidence levels you've always wanted. With inspiring interviews, real-life examples, and game-changing insights, this podcast is for women who know that mastering the skill of confidence is one of the most important things they'll ever do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Secrets of Confident Women. For those of you new to the podcast, my name is Jodie Bruce-Clark. I'm an author, a speaker, a confidence coach, and together with my business partner, Anastasia Adams, we run Rise Women, which is a business dedicated to helping women learn practical confidence building techniques so that they can increase their confidence and do the amazing things that they want to do in their lives. Now, about a month ago, we started our interview series where we invite a range of amazing confident women onto the podcast to share their stories and their secrets as such into being a confident woman. And today we're continuing along those lines with an awesome woman who is going to talk to us about her experience with rebuilding her life after the breakdown of a long-term relationship and navigating staying confident throughout redundancy. And this is what we really wanted to create with the interviews in this podcast. It's real women talking about real issues that so many of us can relate to and that we you know, all learn from and grow with each other. So today I am thrilled to welcome Wendy Pettifer to the podcast. Wendy describes herself as a divorced Sydney girl, a frustrated writer, an overwhelmed professional, mother, dog owner and housekeeper. She is the author of the blog, How To Be Me Again, which she started in 2014, a few years after the breakdown of her 20-year relationship. She's a qualified psychotherapist and has a long career in health and social services. And I know she will be a wealth of knowledge and insight for many of our women listeners this week. So, Wendy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So thrilled to have you. Um, Now, we've met through a, a, a mutual friend. Yes. Um, who, as soon as I started my podcast, went, oh, my God, you have to interview Wendy. <laughs> so She knows all my worst secrets as well. There you go. So. That's fine. So, um, but I know she, she thought that you had just such a wealth of experience and knowledge and how you've grown into a confident woman and really rebuilt rebuilt your life so she you know she mentioned you to say oh, Wendy's lovely. got <laughs> Wendy's got lots to share and lots of lots of learning that we can add to the podcast so um so well and we've well, met once but we've twice twice before yes briefly we have so welcome thank you so why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself your family background and your career we get an idea of you So um, I'm English, just in case anybody doesn't notice that from my (laughs) accent. So um, I've been here since 2007. I did come here traveling when I was um, 18 in 1987, which was a long time ago. And As we uh, all did, uh, yeah. <laughs> all went off travelling. Well, it, where I came from, people really didn't do that. Mm. I was I um, came from a mining village in the north of England, and right. I didn't know anyone who'd ever been travelling. But we, I had quite sort of strict parents but they at the same time as being um very strict like we didn't have a television we were encouraged to read books and play musical instruments and be super nerdy (laughs) um we were also sent off to do things like 
sent to France for the summer on our own to live with a to live with a French oh. family and things like that. So we'd been really encouraged to be really independent, independent yeah. um, and a bit weird, really, by comparison to all, <laughs> all of our friends. But um, so when I came here traveling when I was eighteen, I actually didn't know anyone who'd ever done that before. Yeah, um, I didn't come from the sort of background where that was where that was really a thing. And of course now it's massive; like yes. everybody goes traveling. But this was. Yeah in the in yes. the 80s yes <laughs> so yeah absolutely because yeah. I went I was traveling to England and Scotland I lived in Scotland for yeah. five years in the 90s yeah in the late 90s and um it was that it what it, you're right it was like what what, what how did you like yeah. you came here by yourself like what it was a bit of a yeah people didn't in the UK were not that you know even no, traveling particularly to the next town in the north was, of England yes. it was uh, and up into Scotland just really not a thing I suspect it was a bit maybe a bit more of a thing in the home counties where it was a little bit more um, middle class but right. in the north of England it really it really wasn't and um and I and I was traveling with a I traveled with a friend who's like my second because she's like vaguely related <laughs> um, yeah and uh, we didn't meet anyone who was our age either when we right. were when we were traveling we met lots of people who are in their mid in their mid-20s who'd maybe yeah. been to university had a bit of a job yeah got a bit of money together and then gone traveling gone, yeah. um but um but yeah we didn't really meet anyone who was our age and some of the things that we did I look, <laughs> I look back on them <laughs> and I just think oh my god if my kids did yeah, the yeah. stuff that we that we did because we were so we were so naive, yes. you know, we were, so, we were, you know, potentially so much at risk, yeah. but we just did, really didn't know. We hitched from, we hitched from, um, from Cairns back to Sydney, right. which was illegal in Queensland yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, and we, um, and we got picked up by um, two guys who were with the rodeo. Oh. And they said, do you want to come to Mount Ice <laughs> with us? And we were like, yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> so off we went and we, we, we um we worked on their um we worked on their like food store where they where they served um fair income Aussie Tucker which oh I still can't say with a good <laughs> Australian accent <laughs> yeah 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 just these two guys like oh we were goodness. like two eighteen year old I know girls. you, think you look like, back going oh my god so oh, lucky yeah. yeah we hired yeah. a car in Cairns and yeah. I didn't I'd never had a driving lesson in my life and we drove it all the way up to Cooktown there wasn't a road no. um then that was like tracks through the through the rainforest and driving through rivers and things but it sounds like, like your parents from that early stage really set you up to be to look after yourself by putting you in those sort of early situations of going yeah. to France by yourself for the summer or things like that where you actually had to sort of be aware of take, taking care of yourself and yeah I mean it's weird because the the way that they did that because on the one hand like I had the earliest curfew of any of my friends right. you know like I think when I was in the upper six which is like the year 12 here my weeknight curfew was eight thirty. right and I, you know and there was just absolutely no question in our house yeah. that you would that right. you would come home at 8.30. Like, <laughs> yes. this is just non-negotiable. Yeah. But at the same time as things like that, I played the violin in, like, what would be in the in the local youth orchestra. And for me, it was two um, bus rides away. Um, and um, everybody else's parents drove them to and from. And I got the two... I had to get the two buses, and I had to pay for the bus out of my own pocket money. Right. Which I was, always outraged about um but you know so on the one hand they were very they were very strict and then on the other hand they were I mean they're like they were like all parents they were just doing the best they knew with the tools that they'd got and somehow they ended up with three children who were quite 
independent despite yeah. having been kept on quite a short short leash, lead in certain know, areas so, but yeah yeah yeah. But other, yeah okay and now and what do you do now just give us a so, bit of a background so you came to australia came and then... to australia in 2007 and um these days i'm the general manager for disability services at a not-for-profit organization yeah, in southwest right. sydney so okay. run a service for people with complex intellectual difficulty yeah. um intellectual disabilities in um southwest sydney yeah so that's and was that always your career path or that sort of as you've um gone along the way or you've look when i i quite often say i'm you know I'm still deciding what I'm going to do when I grow up <laughs> but, um, but I graduated from university I did an English literature degree as my first degree and um, I graduated at, at, um, in the midst of a massive recession in the UK which is very right. similar to my what's happening to my children now yes yeah um, and um, there just really weren't jobs for people with an English degree yeah. um, so I I moved in with my with my boyfriend who later became my my husband and I got a job in a bar and a job in an old people's home and I was just a care assistant and um and I used to ride my bike between the bar and the and the um, residential care home but I actually made an entire career out of out of working wow. in residential care homes yeah. so I um you know I've worked with older people um people with mental health problems with um right. I've run services for pregnant and parenting um young women yeah um and uh, these days, um, disability services. So I've been doing that since I was, you know, in yeah. my in my early twenties. Yeah. So you sort of felt it sort of it came to you, yes. from from circumstance, and you you've but kept, I think it made me. the most of the the opportunity that that came along. Yeah, and it turned out that it was an industry that was really well aligned with my values. Yeah, so, right. You know, that is really important to me. So yeah. I've always worked for not for profits or for or for government. Um, the way that disability services work now is commercial, but still we're yeah. a for-purpose organisation rather yeah. than a for-profit organisation, yes. and um, and that's always been really that's always been really important to me. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's how I've spent my career. Awesome. <laughs> so, what does confidence or being a confident woman mean to you? So I was thinking about this because. You know, because obviously I was a little bit forewarned about what, what we were <laughs> yes. going to talk about. Well, as soon as you're on the confidence p- podcast. Uh, yes, yes, that's yes. right. <laughs> but um, I was thinking about it. And I think really for me, it's about feeling empowered enough to be authentically me. And that and that means accepting that sometimes I actually don't feel that confident. That I do. Yeah. Sometimes I do think, oh, God, you know, what if I'm rubbish at my job? Yeah, or yeah. what if, I, you know, like, <laughs> uh, yeah. what if I'm not a good friend? Or what if yeah. I'm and, and that actually that actually that's completely normal and it's fine and you know and I can think all of that stuff it's it's how I process that that stuff that's important so I think there's a bit of a fallacy out there that that confident women or confident people are somehow people who've just got it all completely worked out and like yeah you know and they're just being amazing constantly but actually a lot of the time I'm being a bit crap yeah yeah but um (laughs) but but like I've, Me learned too. To, I've, I've just learned to accept that about yes. myself. And I think that yeah. has been the real, that has been the real change. And the realisation that everybody's a bit crap. It's not just, it's not just me. No, so, no. and I think some of that's come from experience and some of it's just come from age, you know, yeah, like yeah. just going through life and realising that other people have got similar worries to you. And, yeah. um, and I think the other thing is that, um, 
you know, I've always been, I think I've always been um, perceived as being a confident person, but I'm also a person who has been treated for depression and for anxiety in my life. And, um, and people often don't realize that the two things can happen concurrently. Yes. That like people can believe that you're a really confident person, but actually you're taking medication and you're in therapy at the same time. And, and, um, and one of the real, um, one of the real sort of changes for me over the years um, and, and in getting out of that place um, where I think I was very susceptible to, be, to becoming depressed and also from um, from anxiety was, was just um, realising that it was okay, that I didn't need to feel, I didn't need to feel ashamed and that, yeah. and that lots of people had these types of um, difficulties Absolutely. and that, and that, they, I didn't need to let them change my life. That's right, yeah. I think particularly for people in, in um, my age group, we were told a lot of very unhelpful things about mental health problems or, yeah. or perhaps not told anything at all it, it, when yeah. we were younger. Yeah. So I suffered from... Got sort of swept under the... It got sort of it was secret behind doors. Stuff. Yeah, wasn't, wasn't you know, really so talked about at the... My biggest fear was that I was actually going to... I can remember being at university and being sent to go and see a psychologist. And my main fear was that I was actually literally going to go mad, you know, yeah. that, I was, that, that I was going to be concerned <laughs> Consumed yeah. by all Your of these thoughts, and yeah, off you that, know, yeah, that like I was just going to end up in some sort of heap, and I'd never have a functional life. And I yeah. remember one of the things that the psychologist said to me that was one of the most useful things that anybody's ever said to me about anxiety and depression and madness itself was that people who are mad don't know that they're mad. So all the time, <laughs> yes. all the time that you're worrying yeah. about, am I mad? You're probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Isn't all that the great? time that you can worry about it, yeah, yeah. and you can, you know, and you can. <laughs> feel you know anxiety about it probably means that's not happening for you and I thought oh god that's probably that's probably true (laughs) so I know awesome and that's it's right what you're saying we we have written in my book and we we try to talk about all the time um being really authentically us because again we're you know Anastasia and I are both seen as confident women Mm. and we're very very happy to tell you that that's not what it is all the time like that's and that's really you know why we did the book and why we did the podcast and all that we do we really try to be open and you know one of the in in the book one of the myths that we have of confidence exactly what you said that there's this there's this perception that well if you're a confident woman you're confident all the time you can handle anything it's like yeah, no, it doesn't. It goes in ups and downs. It's yeah. something that you have to work on. And when you sort of get a bit off track or go, oh my God, I've been a really horrible friend this week or I haven't mm. I haven't been striving or I haven't done what I should be doing. Mm. And then you pull yourself back, back into line and sort of get back on. And it's the techniques, which is what we obviously talk about all the time, just having those tools because confidence isn't something that once you get it, you've got it for good like no you have to keep you keep keep working at it which we talk about as fitness so like you run on the treadmill once and then go great that fitness thing's all over and done i I know don't we all (laughs) it's but it's it's the it's the consistency and it's keeping your mindset on track and it's keeping learning and keeping growing and all those things and i think that's and i think that's particularly important in the environment that that we're in now and particularly you know I have a daughter who's 22 and a son who's 24 and particularly for my daughter um you know she is 
struggling with all the same things that a lot of um, you know young people struggle with, except in an environment where they're constantly being bombarded with all these I- even the, all these ideas of what a perfect woman yes. is. And yeah. a perfect woman has gone from something that was actually relatively achievable. You mm. know, you just had mm. to kind of look nice all yeah. the time and make a nice dinner, and <laughs> yes. you know, your children make sure your children didn't die. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and you're all good. And now you know, like Instagram has all these inspirational women on oh, it all the time. Yeah. yeah. You know who are you know beautiful got perfect houses got rich they're rich they've got you know life is just kind of amazing and they're doing things like getting up at four in the morning and doing doing yoga and you know and (laughs) and and they're vegans and you know and it's just like oh my god I know know, but it's too much to tick off the tick off the yeah awesome woman checklist and I, I was thinking before I came out here I thought that's like a you know like really important thing you know that I'd want people to know about being about being confident and kind of moderately successful is that I'm not doing any of those things no no <laughs> you know like no I I am a person who wishes who makes bargains with myself yeah. virtually every day about yeah. getting up an hour earlier yeah, tomorrow yeah. morning and you know <laughs> yes, yes. doing exercise and yeah. things like that and just not doing it yeah, you know yeah, yeah. but you know I think that I've got to a stage where I can forgive myself for that yeah. stuff and I don't and it doesn't make me feel it doesn't make me feel bad. bad I feel yeah. a bit disappointed in myself yeah, sometimes. Yeah. That you could yeah. have got up. Yeah. Why didn't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> and I'm not sure all the Instagram influencers are doing yoga every day at no. 4 a.m. Just the ones that they want to put on uh, on Instagram, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah. So, no, we agree. We agree. So, when when do you feel like you're the most confident version of yourself? So I think that one of the unhelpful things that I did to myself in my in my sort of 20s and 30s was have versions of myself. So I think that one of for me, one of the things about being a confident person has been has been not allowing myself to do that so I take the same person out for everything right so I'm not saying that I'm exactly the same at work as I am at home and stuff like that but at my core I actually am and I think that because in the past I did things like um I I didn't allow my work life to to interface with my personal life at all because there was something about um I'd been quite successful quite young and I and I felt like my um I felt like my personal life, my friendship life and the stuff that I did with my friends yeah. was incompatible with the way that I was perceived at work. And I right. felt and I felt okay. kind of ashamed, you know, like yeah. I was in my early 30s. We were doing things like dancing on the table at the pub. Yeah. And then I was in the boardroom <laughs> at, at yes. work. Right. And, but I think that that in itself caused me to feel anxious and not feel confident about myself I didn't know how to integrate the two things and I also didn't understand that there were elements of that person that would get on the table and dance Dance. in the pub that were the reason that I was in the boardroom as well so I think the more that I've managed to integrate myself and just be kind of one person that I feel comfortable with for all of the time I feel more authentic and I feel more you're not trying to cover up or yeah you know keep them keep the lie into each corner I'm just being me all the time and and that's bringing all the good and the bad out for for everything I mean thankfully the the bad isn't too awful but you know (laughs) but but just kind of just being just trying to be to be me and and I think that since since I've been able to do that and I felt comfortable to do that I think that I've been much happier in myself and probably more and probably more successful as well yeah right so that's a great insight. I haven't heard I haven't heard anyone put it like that. But you're right because sometimes, especially when we're growing up and it's 
we do have we sort of we start identifying with different groups or we might create different friends especially I mean I know especially in my 20s when I was changing and you know one minute you're at high school and then you're in university and then I was hanging out with you know a whole different group at university we're all into bands and grunge music it was like well I wanted to fit in here but you start but at some point, you've sort of got to get back onto the track of just just being, being yourself, yourself instead of trying to you, fit in. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And now I have really great friends at work. Mel, who we both yeah, know, yeah. was my boss, right? So yeah, when yeah. we first met, so yeah. um, you know, and we've become and we've become great friends. And she knows all of the crappy things about me, <laughs> <laughs> as well as the good things. That's so. good. Well, there you go. Well, that's what brought us here today. <laughs> so let's focusing going to the I guess the relationship, but and sort of you building rebuilding your life after a so you get together 20 21 21 literally half my life so I was 21 when I met him 42 when I left him okay so um and that's what you know we're sort of focusing on today as as well as the the redundancy which we'll come to but and obviously that's where your blog has has been written from that really trying to be quite a cathartic process for you to process and and share that so what was the hardest thing to rebuild after the relationship broke down? I think it was I think it was two things. The the first thing was my sense of family. So okay, we'd yep. moved from another country. Yes. Um, we'd only been here for just over three years when we split up and we right. didn't have any other family here. So there was just so Wow, that's going from and obviously I was really committed to my to my family as a yeah. group and I'd got young children and they needed a family so working out how to be a family when there was really only three of you and actually um during the first year after um my husband and I separated my son decided that he wanted to go back to the UK to go to school so right. we went from being um we went from being, you know, a family of four with a dog and a cat and a big house and uh, yeah. to just being my daughter and I. Um, we had an apartment at King Street Wharf in the city and um, and George was at school in the UK and and um, and it was and that was really difficult. It makes me sad yeah. thinking about it. Yeah. It was it was really difficult. I was devastated by George going. Yes. going to school in the UK yeah, he I really wanted to do it yeah and I didn't want to I couldn't think of any reason for him not to do it apart from the fact that it would break my heart and I yeah. didn't feel like it was his job to protect to, me yeah. from that yeah um so he'd gone away to school and there was just Anna there was just Anna and I and just trying to make some sort of family out of that was really challenging yeah but I think we we created a different type of you know I st- I'm still very much a a parent first but we just yeah. created a different type of bond with it just being just being the two of us but then I think the other thing that I found really difficult to rebuild um after we split up was um was divorce has has effects on your friendships that I hadn't that I hadn't foreseen and there right. were friends who were involved in the breakdown of our marriage but yeah. also um you know, my life changed so much. Um, you know, I went from I went I wasn't working um, when we first um, when we first separated because we'd agreed that I was doing post grad. We right. we'd agreed that we'd have a period where the kids w- I'd concentrate on the kids yeah. integrating into their new lives and yeah. stuff. And um, I went from that to being a single parent with a full time job. And there were a lot of friends who just really didn't understand that change and um, and. And I think in some ways, in the end, the loss of 
of those friendships and the loss of my sense of myself as a friend to people was actually more devastating than the marriage breakdown itself because it was much more long lasting the marriage breakdown that happens to a lot of people you know the things that happen down our marriage aren't that uncommon you know um but but when you lose a lot of friends, mm. it really goes to, it really, well, for me, it went, really went to the core of who I felt I was, you know, like, yeah. am I actually a bad, a bad friend? Am I, am I a bad person? Do people, yeah. and I think everybody has got a little part of themselves. And I, and I think probably for me, part of myself was a bit too big at that stage that was that I'm intrinsically unlikable. Is there something right. intrinsically unlikable about me? And to have and to lose friends in that way really kind of spoke to that and I and I spent a long time just feeling awful about that just you know like really really made myself quite ill worrying about it and thinking am I am I a dreadful person you'd be thinking that that's the support network like you'd be thinking that's where you're going to actually gain support and more closeness to, to lose that as well, what must have been I think that really in, sh- like shakes you to the core to really, I mean, everything starts yes, to just absolutely. takes away that foundation of what the, the marriage is gone, the, the friends that you know is gone. So where's the foundation that you, yeah. you, know, you had? I mean, my longstanding friends, you know, in the UK and things, they're still my closest yeah, friends. Yeah. And I think when I look back on it, you know, we had only been here for three years. The, the, the friendships that I'd made in Australia probably weren't as solid as I thought yes, they were but right. they were all with they were all with women who are in the in a similar position to me they'd arrived from the UK so we right. had this kind of shared experience yeah, that we'd right. gone through um but to be fair I don't think I I think for a while there I was not an easy person to be friends with either you okay, know like yeah. I was I was going through a massive period of adjustment um I was you know at times very unhappy at other times quite euphoric you right, know I was right, right. I I moved so I didn't live so conveniently I moved so that I was closer to my daughter's school and closer to work and then I was further away from my friends yeah, and, right okay um you know but I I did find that I did find that really um really challenging yeah. and um and I think that I think women are socialized to think that that one of the most important things about them actually is their relationships with other people. We're so often seen yeah. um, in um, in terms, of, in, in relational terms, like you're somebody's friend, you're somebody's yeah. wife, you're somebody's daughter, you're somebody's yeah. this, you're yeah. somebody's that. You know, that um, when none of that stuff is working, I wasn't anybody's wife anymore. You know, yeah. I was, I appeared not to be quite a lot of people's friend anymore. Right. I, you know, and I just kind of, you know, just really felt, sort of alone but one thing that I have learned when things when things are tougher is that often the support comes from places where you don't expect it to be so people who I hadn't thought of as being particularly close friends up until then have become really close friends and they were the ones who were kind of around rather than the ones that you might you know if if you somebody had said to me beforehand pick a few people that you think will be there um you know and I think that lessons lessons were learned you mm. know about where well, it's, it's as common even though it, it's probably we get to that place and we're we're surprised that it happens it is something that a lot of people do reference that when the tough times you you know who your friends are or you or yeah you, you know because it must be something that's quite um qu- quite quite 
usual that some people that you maybe didn't know or didn't think were the, the close friends step up to yeah. to be someone that you didn't, you know. And then those crisis, all those trauma points, other people can't deal with it and yeah. don't deal with it well and, and seem to sort of step away. So, And that's no judgment on them. No. You know, I mean, I did go right. through a stage where I felt <laughs> very bitter and twisted about it all. But, <laughs> I'm sure. you know, these, yeah. these were good, these were good yeah. people. And everybody comes into everything equipped in different ways for, for different things. And like I said, I don't think I was being a very easy person to be to be yeah. friends with through that. And um, and I think that, uh, that my kind of um I, I was just all over the place like right, I yeah. you know I just don't think it kind of been very much fun yeah. <laughs> being friends with me but you just I think you just hope that people will see you through right the, yeah, yeah. you know see you through those moments but um and do you think the people that did become closer to you and and sort of step up that, that were that surprise do you think they they had a different um, take on or that did they have experience with what you were going through or did they? Did, no. No? No, they were women who were more confident. And I and I oh. think that um, – and I've, I've only thought of that while you're s- yeah. saying it. But I think that one of the things that happened with some of the friendships that I, that I had up until that point was that when my life started to change and I started to – I mean, obviously, because I was working full-time, I was meeting new people yes. and, yeah. um, you know, and, and – and, my thought was that I was expanding my my social group. Yeah. But for some people, they felt replaced. Right. Okay. And I think that was what was at the bottom of it. They felt like they yeah. felt like I was replacing them, that I was moving on to something different. And I and I ha- never had any intention of doing that. No, it no. was I thought that I was just expanding my yes. network, which was actually unhealthily small if you were going to be a single yes, <laughs> working yeah. person. Yeah. Um and the women that um the women that sort of stepped into that gap were not were, were women who who didn't feel like that that they didn't they didn't see me me becoming more of myself as a threat to themselves so that's a great insight I love that because that (laughs) but how helpful is that because you know we it sometimes it is confusing when friends step away or you you want to call on people or or, you know you've gone from um you know mum at home with kids and whatever mm. and then stepped into full-time career and you know lo- life changes considerably you yeah know, as you you've experienced and has lots of women experience and then that foundation starts to change but interesting that it's the women that maybe uh, have not got the confidence in themselves that were feeling so threatened by you yeah. meeting these other women were you know fell into that that's yeah. and it, that it's their own confidence and i guess we can all take some insight into that in our own lives it's some we think what why are they doing that to me and actually it's actually that they're thinking it was somehow a threat to to themselves yeah and something that I learned in my you know I, I was always a person who I used to put a lot of effort into trying to get people to like me which I think that a yeah, lot of women we do yeah women do yeah, yeah. and it was just bloody exhausting yes. and I suddenly I realized one day I thought you don't like everybody like <laughs> you know like you yeah, don't like and that's everybody. okay <laughs> and that's and that's fine and yeah. you know and there's no one that you don't like that no one else in the world likes so yeah. you not liking them is something to do with you not yeah. to do with them yeah it's that's yeah. your stuff that yeah. you've got going on so yeah. then I thought well why are you trying to get everyone in the world 
to like you. Yeah. You know, when you don't even like everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's perfect. Some people won't like you and that's yeah. fine. And that's they'll right. work. Yeah. It, so long as so long as it's not that nobody in the world likes yeah. you, yeah. then maybe <laughs> then you you've got something <laughs> you, you need to have a think about. <laughs> that's but, right. You know, if you come across the odd person who doesn't who doesn't like you, yeah. then so be it. So be yeah. it. I mean when I was doing my um my postgrad in psychotherapy, they make you do two years of group therapy as part of your as part of the course. Right. Um, and I found that tremendously useful around um, around that sort of stuff. The realization yeah. that that usually when you don't like someone, it's something to do with your experience. It's yeah. actually nothing yeah. <laughs> to do with them. It's really. a trigger or some yeah, sort of yeah. They're triggering something yeah. um, for you. And yeah. and I've kind of learned over the years that when you know that. That when things aren't going well in a relationship with someone or that you're getting into some sort of conflict, that you have to be really clear with yourself and brutal with yourself about what elements of that are yours to deal with and what elements yeah. of that stuff really aren't. And yes. because you're only responsible for the bits that are to do with you, yeah. you can't solve everybody else's problems. No. You can't, there's no point in telling them what you think their problem is. No. Um, but, um, you know, take the stuff that you think is yours, yeah. that you think speaks to you, that you need to address, and then leave the other, yeah. the other stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. Awesome. Oh, my God, this is going great places because <laughs> it is. It's something that you – that we do all feel and we, we are – we do get those moments. And, you know, so many of the women I coach – are in this place of trying to please everybody or just trying to trying to make everybody like them. Yeah. And it, you're right, it's so exhausting and they feel depleted because like almost what we were saying before, they start trying to be someone else to fit a different mould or get yeah. people to like them, which completely undermines their confidence, yeah. completely undermines who they are. And then, they, and then the person either does like them or doesn't like them up to them yeah. and then it but it completely shatters it because they're confident they've turned themselves into something else or been something else to fit in or to get this person you know people or even in organizations to be accepted and it's not the right fit it's just not, yeah. it's trying to put square pegs in round holes and, and that's not, really that thing about integrating you know like the versions of yourself yeah. that's really about that it's, integration again about yeah. you know being one kind of whole authentic person with good and bad bits yep. that some people will like and some yep. people don't yep. and Take just it kind of it. getting on yep. with it yeah <laughs> you know right. I mean trying to be the best person you can be but yes. like you know yeah. but just whatever that is yeah. for you not what that is yeah. for other people yeah. you know and I say we talk with you know Anastasia and I laugh at that you know my husband has to deal with it I am a highly highly impatient person which which annoys the, the crap out of some people because yeah. I just don't want to wait around whatever and my husband is a very patient man has had to learn to deal with that but it's like me trying to be patient is is futile like it's yeah. just not going to happen right <laughs> and I don't even want to be patient so the amount of times I try to be patient it just doesn't work it makes me more frustrated yeah and it's like but you know it's like and that's going to work for some people and not work for other people. But and I don't care anymore. Like, it's just yeah. take it or leave it. That's who I am. So it has to That's be. That's the thing. Yeah. That's like, you know, the most important thing is knowing what your yes. what your stuff is. I know that my thing, my thing that, uh, that I'm the worst at is I can't bear it when people don't understand things straight away, <laughs> which... <laughs> Which I mentioned yes. that to my to my boss the other day in the context of something that was going on, and I said, you know, and it, like the thing I find most difficult is when people don't understand <laughs> things quickly. Like that, she said, yes, I've noticed. That. Yes, yes. You know, so yeah. 
but I know that yes, about myself, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and just knowing that stuff means that, you know, I can't, I know I can't change it about no. myself, but when I notice that I'm doing it and yeah. I realize that it's unreasonable, yes. you know, yeah. that I can, you know, I can self-reflect yes. and, yeah. you know, yeah. self-soothe and go, okay, yeah. calm down. They yes. didn't understand. You're going to have to say it again. <laughs> like, yes. you know, yeah. so. And I talk about, I just have to deal with the consequences of me being that way. Because yeah. that brings good points and it brings frustrating points for me yeah. and for other people but I just have to deal with the consequences of oh yes and try to go okay this is not you know I don't know why I'm being impatient about this it's not even my domain or yeah. whatever it might be you know <laughs> so back back to the I guess the relationship breakdown what did you learn about your confidence and how you felt about yourself in even in those like in those early days um I think probably the thing that I learned that I realized well, when it when it first happened, I didn't I I didn't quite realize it was going to be how it actually was. I don't think because okay. not having ever you know had a had, had a, yeah. a long term <laughs> relationship breakdown. But I just kind of the you know like in in terms of what I thought was going to happen, I just kind of thought I would meet somebody else, I would fall in love, I would meet somebody else, and we'd all live happily ever af- right. ever after. And probably my ex husband would die alone and miserable. That was like my, that was my <laughs> That was my hope, <laughs> you know, like, and that is not how it turned no, out. No. He's remarried, yes. very happy, yeah. um, and I'm still single. Yeah. And and I think that um, I realised over time that everything that I thought about myself was in relation to other things. So, like, okay. and I didn't really have a strong sense of who I was. I'd met my husband when I was very, when I was very young, I was, yeah. when I was yeah. um, 21. Yeah. Um, and... I hadn't really been in any in any other significant relationships before then. I mean, now looking at my history history now, I think that probably the reason for that was not naivety. It's just that I, it's just that I think I'm a person who actually doesn't need a relationship to to tell me who I am. But oh, I yeah. had, but I'd allowed that to happen. Right. Okay. And so I saw myself in terms of in terms of being a wife, in terms of being a mother, um, you know, in terms of being on the parent-teacher association, in terms of my job and things like that. And I didn't really know, I didn't really know who I was. Um, And I, and I'd already, I I already kind of knew that this was a problem, which was part of the reason that I, which was part of the reason that motivated me to study psychotherapy for postgrad. But um, because, you know, obviously, um, relationships don't break generally don't break down in some sort of explosion at the end yeah. of 21 years and yeah. we'd been in therapy previously and yeah. um and I remember that my therapist had said to me the first time that I'd been to see him you know tell me all about yourself and I'd said you know like oh, well you know I'm whatever age I was and mm-hmm. I'm a mum I've got two children and I'm married and I and I you know at the time I was a manager in social services and for yeah. government for the UK and I was on the board of something and I was doing this and I told him all of this stuff and at the end of it he, he just sort of sat there and looked at me for a bit and then he said okay you've told me all about what you do now tell me about who you are and I had literally no idea oh. Like wow. if you took away yeah. all the things all the that I external did, stuff, yeah, yeah, I didn't really know who I was, and right. I can in psychology call that other esteeming. So it's like it's nothing to do with you. Like yes. you know, if you take away your job, who are you then? If you take yeah. away your husband, who are you then? You know. Yeah. So I think that um, uh, 
I think I've come away from the question. That's <laughs> the all right. Yeah, yeah. No, that's all right. But I think that that was kind of the process that I needed to to go through to yeah. try and work out really, really who am I? And yeah. I think what and I think what happened, what I started to realize, is that even in those early days, although I was miserable yeah. and sad and you know and there's all sorts of things about the breakdown of relationships that you don't realize until it happens like you know I you know the sudden re- sudden realization that what I thought my future was going to be had, yes. had gone away not only you know yeah. what was happening now yeah. but all the what kind of what, what I saw coming yeah, yeah. up was all yeah. going to be completely different yeah but um I realized that um that I was actually probably the happiest I'd I'd ever been right. as well even though probably for 3 years I cried every day yeah. every day about something even if it even if it wasn't initially directly to do with the marriage breakdown eventually right. my wormhole the would wor- take yes, me back to that and I I'd, yeah, I'd yeah. go down that hole and yeah. I'd be back in there going yeah. oh my god yeah, if yeah. he hadn't done that yeah. I, my <laughs> washing machine wouldn't have broken down and <laughs> yeah. you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. kind of thing yeah. Yeah. but um and like now, I think I'm probably the woman that I was always supposed to be. Yeah. And I think the challenge for me these days is more about how I, how I manage to be that person in a relationship yeah. um, without allowing myself to be kind of, even if it's not intentional, to kind of get pulled in. Other, I, it's more difficult to maintain yeah. my sense of self when I'm in a relationship with someone because they put other demands yeah. on you about yeah. who you're supposed to be. Yeah. So, um, And how are you finding your way through that? Like how are you trying to... Well, I'm still single. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, look... It seemed like a really important thing. I think we, you know, like we we taught that one of the ways that we are judged as being a successful woman is in terms of our relationships, yeah. and you know, and and um, certainly when my um, when my second relationship broke down, so I lived with someone for a while. Um, I did have a really quite strong sense of failure about right. that. I was like, I'm a person you know this stuff that you tell yourself I'm a person who can't maintain a relationship you know like what's what's wrong with me but um but these days I look it would be nice to be in a relationship but Mm. I don't I don't feel anymore like it's an essential thing for me I went through quite a long period um where I put off things like I would think well I'd really like to go to the Maldives but I'll I'll do that when I've got a when partner. When I've got a yeah, yeah. I'll wait. <laughs> you know, and I'd really like to see that movie, but yeah. and I, but I'll, you know, like I'm not going to go on my own. And yes. then I suddenly realised, uh, wait a minute, <laughs> um, how's yes. this going to work? Like, yeah. what if life you is never, happening. Yeah, yeah, what life if you never happening. meet anybody? Are you yeah. not going to do all of these yeah. things because yeah. you don't have a partner? Like, yeah. you know. And then I started thinking, well, you better just do all of this stuff yeah. then, hadn't you? And yeah. I've actually felt really empowered by. <laughs> by doing that yeah. the realization that you know like I'm having my life it's on my terms yeah I'm you know I'm providing for myself if I do a nice thing I did it you know like yeah, if yeah. I go on a nice holiday that's I did it I you did, know yeah. you know and um and I think that um you know maybe I'm a little bit of an acquired taste <laughs> I don't know, but we all die. But I do find that a lot of um, a lot of men. Um, it's my experience that yeah. a lot of men believe that they want a really successful and independent yes. woman yeah. until they've actually found one, and yeah. then they think, oh, actually, yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> a bit too. Is, yeah, a hard she's work. a bit independent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah, but I don't want to change. Yeah, so. and I actually, I'm just going to my note because I wrote, I pulled something off your blog. I love how on your blog you wrote that you talked about life developing without a relationship and how, how you moved on from being resigned to being alone to happily making plans for the future <clears throat> with only me in it. So, you know, that's that change of viewpoint that you, you've had to come because, to because your life would have just slipped away Oh, yeah, being resigned, resigned to to. Um, to being alone is such a rotten place to be yeah. you know like to live your life with resignation that's yes. like you yeah. know like nobody wants to no. nobody wants to be there no and you know like now I have quite a clear idea of what I want my life to look like what I'm what I'm planning to do and it's yeah. and it's all about me and now the challenge is finding to someone who's willing to do, do. <laughs> to, do the, <laughs> yes. to do the same thing yes. you know but then I think to myself you know if you did you know find the absolute perfect person then maybe you would be willing to make some compromise but yeah. I've got a definite plan about what I want my life to look like what I want to do where I want to be and and I know that it's achievable on my own whereas I think at the beginning of being single I wasn't even sure you know I we were very we were very comfortable and I um and I just didn't really know how things were going to be financially you know and and so I was quite focused on my on my career right from the you know when I set off going again in Australia because I realized that um although things were going to be fine whilst you know you still have a kind of financial relationship with the father of your children yeah that there was going to be quite a lot of life that was after After, that and that I needed one of the things that I really hadn't done well when I was when I was married that I would counsel all women um, not to do (laughs) is is that I had never really taken um, responsibility for myself financially so I had no Um, in the UK, you don't have to have super, so I didn't have right. a pension. Yeah. Um, you, so I you had, had no just, fallback plan. There was just I had no fallback plan, no. and um, and you know, at forty-two, suddenly realizing that you've got a lot of catching up to do, to do in yeah. terms of where you need to get was a little bit terrifying. And I and I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to not have the life that I wanted to have yeah. you know so yeah. I thought well the way out of this is to work hard yeah you know um build up your own build up my egg. own yeah, nest yeah. egg and look after myself financially and I always say to my daughter now that you know no matter how much you think your partner your husband mm. loves you you should always behave financially as though they might get up and leave the next day yeah so that you know that you'll be yeah. that you'll be okay that you're not reliant on yeah. somebody else financially because so that many, was terrifying so many, yeah and so many women are stuck in relationships because they have because no, they feel they like have they no choices leave. they yeah. have you know it's hard to make a different choice or move or leave that relationship because they they literally have nothing they yeah. have nothing nowhere to go and nothing to no job no career no money yeah. no and nothing. the the fastest growing group of homeless people yes. in australia is women over 50 so yeah. you know that's and and that's to do with the breakdown of um of marriages it's, right. it's to do with women not having the Have financial no, resources yes. to get them through um to get them through retirement and yeah. um and further on and i definitely didn't want that to be me no so Absolutely. And what was the what's a, one of the best practices that you've discovered that has helped you to increase your self-confidence again? Is there been something, has there been one sort of thing that from the relationship breakdown as you've gone on this journey that's really helped you find you again? I don't know whether, I mean, obviously writing was very cathartic right. so you've, um, yep. for me. Um, and, and that blog was, you know, it's been read like, I think it's had like, 
20,000 hits all wow. over the yeah. world like I became yeah. I became obsessed with re- <laughs> looking at where pe- which countries yeah. people had read it in um <laughs> but um but you know like some of the um some of the feedback that I got about that about about the universality of that experience mm. was was quite um uh you know comforting yeah um but I think I don't know whether it's really about um confidence but whenever I've got really low I've discovered that three things work really well and the first one is exercising and I don't mean like going mad I mean like walking the dog or something yeah yeah just having a gratitude diary which sounds very inspirational um you know (laughs) instagram-ish but you know just refocusing onto the stuff that is the stuff that's going good because yeah. there's always stuff that's going good that's right and then meditating so I'm not I don't meditate at the moment I'm actually a bit rubbish at, me- at meditating yeah. but when things have been really bad I've right. done that as a kind of you religious process back, every day yeah, call back on to that yeah to move yourself to another move to just kind something. of yeah get yeah. myself centered but I think the other thing is just being kind to yourself when yeah. you know allowing yourself to you know I found this how whole COVID um period quite difficult the, yeah. the beginning of it I loved I was like yeah brilliant. I don't have to yeah. go anywhere yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. and then we all ran out of uh, uh yeah mojo. yeah and we then like ran out of then like, my mojo went, going hang on this is going on too long well then my mojo went and then I broke my wrist and couldn't oh, couldn't drive right um so I broke my wrist skateboarding Okay. Uh, which I think probably tells you something <laughs> about me. Um, so I broke my wrist skateboarding. Had to have two operations on it. Oh, it was. Um, I was on a date. Oh. So that was super embarrassing oh. as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> It reminds me so, of a date I went on before. Before I think it was on internet, and he took me roller skating in Centennial Park. Yeah, I think it was our second date. Yeah. and I thought, oh, and he said, "Do you want to put?" They give you the shin pads and the yeah. knee pads, and I thought, "Oh no, I'm too cool for this," and didn't <laughs> did not put the shin. Pa- it was rollerblades. I think yeah. I could I roller skate, but I couldn't rollerblade. Rollerblading around Centennial Park had the biggest stack, had skin off like knees, elbows. And I remember he took me back to the car and got his like first, you know, car first aid out, and he got alcohol wipes out oh. to to clean the wounds because I was still oh. trying to be like, it's all right, it's all, you know, and <laughs> I nearly punched this poor bloke because it stung like anyway, but yeah, those those are the moments that you go, why, what was I thinking? Oh, I was no. trying to be so cool by not wearing. I my was shin not pad. trying to be cool. Like I, I, I was going to try and impress. Someone said to me recently, "What's happened to the guy that you were trying to impress skateboarding?" I was like, I was not trying to impress him. Like if I, that's the last thing I would have done if I thought I was going to yeah, going yeah. to impress him. Yeah. But um, yeah, he had to phone an ambulance. Which oh is my really good. goodness, that is so funny. <laughs> and uh, yeah, two two operations oh, on. It's looking, it's looking, it's looking pretty good. It's yeah, looking yeah. better. Yeah. But yeah. I did hit a, I did hit a bit of a low point um, <laughs> during that. Um, you oh know, I was just goodness! So annoyed with myself. Yeah. I was just yeah. Like, what were you thinking? Yeah. Literally every doctor that came to my bed was like, "Oh, skateboarding." Yeah. yeah. That's like, very strange. What were you doing? <laughs> yes, yeah. like, yes, I know skateboarding. It's yeah, embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah, Let's yeah. all have a good laugh. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it was one of the things about that that was interesting there is that I'm still in a little um, chat group with um, a messenger chat group with a load of um, really lovely friends that I went to school with. Okay, yeah. That I'm still in contact with. And um, and when I relayed this story... <laughs> 
to them, <laughs> the overwhelming response was, oh my God, you haven't changed a bit. Yeah, right. You know, okay, that's, good, like, good. that's such a Wendy yeah, story yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. that, I, that you would, you know, and I think that sometimes it's important for, you know, there's some people that see me, uh, you know, at work and things like that to yes. know that I'm also a person yeah, yeah. who would skateboard yeah. and break the wrist and, <laughs> you know, and that that actually isn't that weird a thing yeah, for yeah, me. So yeah. I think, yeah, I think just kind of, being to go back to yes. you know like rebuilding your confidence I think it's you know it's just about I do a lot of self-reflecting which sometimes can be it can be unhealthy if it yeah. if it turns it's into early. ruminating yeah. if you but I think it's important to have the ability to reflect on the things that you do um I do um I do try to catch myself when I'm when I can when I can feel that I'm kind of going down and I'll let myself take a break like sometimes I'll I'll go a bit um a bit AWOL for a while for a few weeks just kind of because I don't like um I think when you're feeling a little bit down and you and almost certainly your confidence takes a bit of a uh, you know a bit of a downward turn when that's when that's going on I'm kind of aware that there's something a little bit kind of a little bit self-involved yeah. <laughs> about that yeah. and I yeah. don't like when I'm when I'm in that place I don't really want to talk to anybody about yeah. how I'm feeling at that point when I when I start to feel a bit better, better I'll say oh can, yeah, yeah I wasn't I wasn't feeling great sorry yeah. I didn't re- reply to your text but yeah. like I think there's I think we're um in the 21st century like we're like constantly available like people people can phone you they can text yes, you they wonder constantly. why you haven't posted yes. on instagram yeah, i know like, i know why aren't you on yeah. facebook you know and yeah. it's like sometimes you do need to yes. have a moment to reflect and just say step away you know, from to it step all. away from yeah. it all and think i'm actually not feeling great at the moment i feel a bit down i don't really want to talk to yeah. anyone ab- about it because i can't really put my finger on no. what the problem is yeah. and I think um, after I'd had to think about it, I thought, do you know what? This has been a really tough, you know, few months. Work has been very difficult through COVID. It's been very stressful. You haven't had a break. You broke your wrist. You had two operations. You're allowed to feel a bit rubbish for a few weeks. Absolutely. And now let's get on with life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're all right. Yeah. And then have those techniques, as you say, those things that you know that works, which is what Mm. we're always trying to teach people. Like find those things that you know to call on, like your gratitude your journal do some meditating to you know mm. to get back to go right I was on the spiral down yeah okay I've noticed it I've realized it it's probably completely warranted in the yeah. whatever what's been happening or you know or this you know whatever happens in life some things happen that just allows you to have a bit of a spiral down just don't let it go too far down yeah it's so much harder to get it back up again you've got to give that get catch it and then get your get your confidence things back in place to you know, help yeah, rebuild look, again. And if you do feel like it's going down, like I, you know, like I've been on and off in therapy, not, you know, not afraid to say so. And, yeah. and, um, and if you do feel like it's getting out of your control, go and have a check-in, you know, yes. like I, I went back and saw, I hadn't seen my therapist for a couple of years. And then when I was made redundant and my partner left me, I went yeah. and checked in with him. We had like a, you know, an hour session at the end of it. I said, you know yeah. what? I think I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think these things happened, yeah, that's but I right. think I'm all right. Yeah. You know, Talk like, it through a bit. I've talked it through yeah. a bit. I think yeah. I'm going to be okay. I yeah, don't think yeah. I need to come again. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 
So, Again, it's having that tool, having that, that even if it's a person or whatever to mm. check in with um, to just help you get that, yeah, get a bit of perspective, a bit of yeah. new. I talk about we do mindset reset sessions mainly with clients that I've done a full coaching series with and then they do, they want to come back and get a check-in just yeah. to create a bit of, like just talk me through a bit of different perspective, a bit of new thinking yeah. to get get myself back on back yeah. on track. Like this this journey of being of of being yourself and of being confident and stuff. It's never over. No, it's, it's never not like over. It's, <laughs> you, it's not like you get I'm to this point. And you go, Okay, now I'm brilliant. Like, I know, you know, I know, like I, know. I never need yeah. to. Like, no. I'm never going to have a downer again. Yeah. I'm never no. going to need to go and talk Does to not someone happen. about. It, it no. takes constant, constant, constant work. Yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. to feel okay. And I was laughing when you said the gratitude journal because I think I posted on Friday. Like, I thought right last week, a lot's been going on, and I'm, you know, wanted to get my again my focus back on yeah. all the things I'm grateful for, and da 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 da. And you know, I think I got my you know came up gratitude journal out for. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote in it twice, but at the you know on the post I did at the end of the week, we were celebrating because we had some things to celebrate last week. I was like, and I wrote in my gratitude journal twice, like yeah. hooray me, you know, yeah. not at, not five days a week because I couldn't do five days a week, yeah. but I, twice, right? And yeah. I was trying again to refocus, as you say, refocus my Celebrate mind. The go, wins. there's so much great stuff going on, and yes, you know, one thing set me off off on a tangent, but it's up to me to just. Yeah, yeah, get it, get that. Back and it's on. a great thing to do with kids as well. Like when yeah. we, when um, the kids were much younger, and um, and their dad and I were having some, were having some problems, and things were a bit dark at home. Um, we used to have this thing every di- every night at dinner with the children. We'd do three good things about today, and yeah. everybody had to think of three good things about today. And it was allowed to be anything. It could yeah. just be that it the sun had yeah, come the out, sun had come the tractor, out. Yeah, 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 whatever, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever that was, and it just yeah. kind of. Yeah, you know, sets your thinking absolutely um, different. Yeah, so. yeah, and and you know, we've been talking about through this time. You mentioned your redundancy, and obviously, there's a lot of people facing job uncertainty at this time, and you know, possible redundancies are still on the way. And I know you've been made redundant a few times, and the last time was in 2018. So, what did you learn about that process and how to keep your confidence intact through that? Well, the first thing that I, I learned is that. I've been in positions where I've made people redundant as well and I can and I can say without any hesitation that it's much preferable to be made redundant than it is to make other people redundant. I absolutely have hated yeah. making other people redundant because I know yeah. I can deal with my stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, you know, I yes. worry about other people. Other but people, yeah. if you are made redundant, I mean as a as a person who's both made people redundant and had roles made redundant. So in I've been I think I've been I think I've had my role made redundant four times but I've never actually not had a job until the last time so previously right. my role had been made redundant and then there was a restructure at work I could reapply for another right. role and yeah. I yeah. had another another yeah. role and I usually done quite well out of those restructures but um this was the first time that you know I was called into I got to work in the morning um I um I got asked to go to a to um to a meeting in the boardroom, and when I opened the door and I saw who was in there, you knew. I I knew, especially because there's a box of tissues on the table, which oh, is always a bad sign. Oh my goodness! Yeah, which yeah. You didn't need. Yeah. But um, but <laughs> did you um, have any idea it was coming? Look, I thought that it might be coming, but I didn't think it would be coming then. I right. thought that okay. we we had some stuff going. I thought it was going to be in the February. I thought it might be in the February. It was in the November uh, towards right. the end of November. Right. Um, but. Because I'm me, and I'm sure that some people, there are lots of other people like this. When I saw who was in the room, I knew it was definitely 
a serious thing. And the first thing that flashed through my mind was, did I do something? Like, am I right. just about to be terminated? Because like Cause I did something, like yeah. I've, I've mucked up, yeah. you know, like... <laughs> You know, so I was yeah. like, so when they actually told me that my role was being made redundant, I had a, my overwhelming initial response was relief. <laughs> it was just like, oh God, oh, I didn't, yeah. you know, like it it's didn't like I didn't turn steal out. The pen, that, yeah, that's right. Pen. You know, like I did, you I know, but um, but I think, you know, I was really aware, be, having gone through those processes before, that it's really not about people. It's about roles. It's about structures. Yeah. Sometimes it's about cost savings. It, well, yeah. it's always about cost savings. But yes. where you take those those costs out is yeah. really, you know, I know that when I've taken those decisions, you have to be really careful to take your thoughts of the actual person out of it. Otherwise, yeah. you can't make sensible business decisions. But also... I'm just a completely normal person. So yeah. there was another bit of me that was like, oh my God, they found out actually I'm rubbish. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> so, and I, you know, and in the, in the immediate aftermath, you know, like I was, you know, I just felt so many different things. Like, you know, I'd worked there for seven, for nearly seven years. So, and I worked really hard yeah. and all of a sudden I wasn't going to see any of those people yes, anymore. the friendships. Um, mm. Yeah, the, you know, like I saw more of them than I did of anybody else. Yeah, so that was, you know, so that's quite a difficult um, adjustment to make. And then I worried that like, I was never, what if I'm one of those people that you, you read articles, you know, like I started yeah. Googling articles yeah. about being made redundant when you're 50. Yeah. And, you know, there's all all these articles about people yeah. who got made redundant when they're 50 and they never found another yeah. job. And I'm like, God, what if They've I'm... They've lost all their skills yeah. and they're not... What if yeah. I'm one of yeah. those people, you yeah. know? What if I yeah. never find another another role? But then you have to, like, try not to listen to that voice. And the first thing that I did was it was really close to Christmas. Mm. Um, and I just thought there's not going to be any jobs around at this time of year. Nobody's looking for directors and yeah. executive level yeah. jobs just before Christmas. So just enjoy the break. Like you've yeah. not had a break yeah. like this for years. Yes. It's the summer. Yeah. You know, the beach is free. Yeah. Just, you know, like <laughs> yeah. have a nice time. Yeah. And yeah. then let's address this, um, you know, in January when things start to get a little bit more um back to normal and I tried not to listen to the voices that said you're not going to yeah. find a job and I had tremendously wonderful support from other people in the sector who knew me who yeah, reached right. out and said yeah you know come for lunch yeah, and yeah. we might have this bit of consultancy work and yeah. you know you could do this and that so I think you know and, and making sure that you take advantage of those you know of any kind of reach outs I see a lot of stuff on LinkedIn of people saying you know like if you're yeah. looking for something don't be afraid to reach out and I think yeah. that you know it's actually quite difficult to do that there yes. is a little bit of a sense of shame around yeah. you know like losing your job for, yeah. for whatever reason and I yeah. think you have to just you know try and put that aside I think at least at the moment like a couple of friends that I've talked to who've lost their jobs during COVID there is at least this kind of collegiate yes feel there's so that, many. Yep. that there's <clears throat> so many yep. like everybody understands yes why kind yep. of thing but I still find you know if um you know everybody wants to know why you why you left that job um you know mm. like recruiters want to know yeah and you don't really there's a little bit that makes you feel like you know when you say that you know, well, the the role was made redundant. The, yes. What are they thinking? Yeah, you yeah. Know, they think, they're going to think she rubbish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, for me, the whole thing was compounded by the fact that my relationship broke down. Like, I mean, very, very unexpectedly, my partner announced that he was leaving 10 days after after I was made redundant. So then I found myself with no job and no partner. And I realized that, you know, that this, I, I realized that this was quite calamitous, yeah. you know, that like, <laughs> that like there was the potential for me yeah. to, you know, to be really undone by yes. those two events. But I think that, I think the fact that I'd already kind of, you know, like, yeah, I'd only got divorced. Like lots of people yeah. got to get divorced, yeah. but I'd already dealt with all of that stuff. I knew yeah. that I was okay. And I just yeah. kind of had this sense, do you know what? You're going to be okay. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I often come back to now that like, that it's my experience, even with really terrible things, not that I've personally experienced yeah. terrible things, but some of the people that I know who've experienced terrible things is that in the end, usually everything is okay. Yes. It's not, it's not how you thought it was going to be. No. Um, but it's still kind of okay. Yeah. Even bereavement and things yeah. like that. In the end, we're, yeah. we're, we're very resilient yeah. beings, you yeah. know. And everything can be okay. Different. Yes. Different, you know, yeah. with pockets of sadness and grief and, yeah. and all of those and sometimes things. Sometimes don't you find it's, it is the grief of the future you thought you were... Mm. The th- you thought was laid out before you, you thought you were living into this future that then suddenly goes or d- whether it's, whether it's as you say, it's from a death of someone or a job of some- or whatever, but then it takes, it takes a little while to sort of take stock to go, okay, that's not my future now. Yeah, everything's so going to be, be different. What might yeah. be, I, I can, but I can recreate something new yeah. from that rather than, you know, yes, have the grief of the, the what I thought life was going to be and but you know it's funny I come back to I lost my mother when I was 27 right and um I was living overseas I was in Scotland Mm. and what you know one of the things I learned it was like uh she was about to come traveling she was about to come over to the UK we're going to spend nine nine weeks throughout Europe and it was only like uh, I think it was only uh you know two months off her arriving and you know, it was de- – and I was so devastated that that didn't happen. Yeah. But then the, I, the, I don't know – I don't know how – I d- did do some grief counselling around that. and But I got to this place of it was actually never going to happen anyway. Like it was just – a it was me living into this what, what we were going to do and what – but life was never going to go that way. Like yeah. that was never going to be the way it was going to be. And I sort of – I felt okay to let that go then because it yeah. was like instead of going – well, feeling like resentful that I lost her before I got this experience, it was like that experience was never – it was never going to be. So yeah. it was just me thinking around, you know. I think it's a tricky thing to find a balance between planning for the future and having yes. goals and things yeah. but also acceptance that everything can change. Everything can change. That, that yeah. you know, that – and that if you become too wedded to these yes. ideas about what what's going to happen what's in gonna, the future, yeah. I think you know one of the things that I've definitely learned is to be able to flex according yeah. to what happens. Yeah. And you know, so you know, my relationship broke up. I lost my job. It meant that yeah. I had to move house. But yeah. you know, I really like the house that I live in now. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and just kind of. I mean, I have been a person who has always been very adaptable. Like, I think I'm living in something like my 29th house. Like, I'm, I don't get very attached to things and places. Well, lucky after 29 houses. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) 
So, you know, I actually think yeah. that, that I, I actually enjoy change, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, um, although... And that is good. That, and that is, I think that is a quality because especially of being a confident woman because we do talk about confidence really being that definition of I'm going to handle anything that comes my way yeah. rather than everything's working out fine. And that's having yeah. that trust in yourself that whatever happens, yeah. I, I'm going to... I'm, I'm like, I can work oh, this okay. out. Can, this yeah, is, okay. Not okay, what I expected, this is it. but yeah. <laughs> this is what we're doing. That's okay. Right. <laughs> well, you know, now I will de- now I will deal with this. And yeah. yeah, I think that's I think that's right. That um but also knowing that, you know, that um that also you don't really you don't have to be that you don't have to be a person that can move house 29 (laughs) times you know to be you know uh, that's just what I'm like I'm sure that there's bad things about that as well I'm sure that it says you know that it says something about me and you know do you know what I mean but like it's just not killing you no it's just that's (laughs) just kind of who I am that's right okay we're going to do some uh, the rise women power questions which is our final I keep saying five I think it's actually six questions because Anastasia threw in heels or flats which we'll come to in a minute um, because that's just our thing so uh, this is sort of short quick answers so what what do you wish every woman knew Um, that it's going to be okay that you're okay it's all going to be okay everything's fine yeah Find the silver lining. Yeah. Keep one step, one foot after the other. Now, what, Wendy, is your superpower? Um, I don't know. Probably always being able to find the funny side okay, good. of things. Like yeah, find, yeah. The, find the humor in things. But also I think that um, something that I've really developed was is the ability to find the good in everything. Like, you know, like even, yeah. when, things are, even when things are bad, it's like, um, okay, what have I learned? Yeah. You know, like what what can I take out of this that yeah. I can say is, is a is a learning. So yeah. there's always something positive yeah. to come out of things. Yeah, yeah. So always changing that perspective to see because it's perspective all, is yeah. everything. It like is, you know, yeah. you can either live your life. You're responsible for your own happiness. You can yeah. either choose you choose to be happy or not. Yeah. So you know, yeah. every now and again, you might choose to be miserable. Yeah. But if you uh, yeah. if you generally choose happiness, yeah. then you'll have a happy life. Yeah. And if you choose to be miserable, know that you've chosen it. Yes. And then choose a date that you're going yeah. to unchoose. Well, yeah, and just, a, you know, like your life. it's okay to wallow a bit and 100%. get a bit of, you know. We all you need, need a, a bit, bit of a wallow every yeah, now yeah, and again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the reality is fest. that, you know, that your life is all of your own making. Yeah. It's not it's not something that's being done to you. No. It's like it's yours. The creation you, of. Yeah. 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 It can be whatever you want it to be. And if yeah. you want it to be miserable, then it will be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? absolutely. And I know a few people who have chosen that direction. Yeah. Uh, now, heels or flats, Wendy? God, you need both. Oh, of course you do. Yes. I, I have a bit of a shoe problem okay. in that I've got <laughs> way too many shoes. Anastasia would love you. She has a, she has even more than problem than me. I've been I've been through a stage where I would have or where where I would have you know where I wanted to buy was heels all the time yeah, and I've yeah. got loads of really beautiful shoes but I've been going through a white runners stage oh so okay like, I feel like <laughs> if you ever feel like you need to borrow a size 38 white runner <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the place to come because my daughter keeps on saying to me I can't tell the difference yeah, between your yeah, shoes yeah. So it's like no these are different to those ones <laughs> oh the good old shoe fetty we love it um your favorite quote or your or rule to live by well, my favourite quote I have tattooed on my left Okay. Ribs, and it's And Still I Rise, which is a quote from a Maya Angelou okay, um, yep. poem. She was a great 
um, yes, Black Feminist Writer. Yeah. And uh, it's a great poem that's called And Still I Rise. And and whenever I'm feeling a little bit like, you know, like, yeah. oh, life is terrible, yeah. like what's going on? Yeah. And then I remind myself that I've actually got tattooed on my actual body, the words <laughs> and, still I, and Still I Rise, which would be pretty stupid yeah. if I was just going <laughs> to sit around... <laughs> you know not rising yeah not yeah. rising so um so yeah so that would probably be my my favorite quote oh i love it i love that one and who inspires you and why well i've got a really great network of really fantastic successful lovely women um around me these days who are you know like i we all <laughs> laugh sometimes about are you being inspirational today but like <laughs> But, you know, I do have great girlfriends. But then I think, you know, I've got a couple of friends um, who've really been through some really difficult experiences in their lives who've come out on the other side of them. Uh, like I say, different, but, yes. but okay. Yeah. So I've got a couple of friends um, who kind of fill, fall into that bracket who's with the things that have happened to them. I wonder, you know, would I even yeah. be able to put one foot in front of, front of another? And yes. yet there they are living yeah. their lives, rising. being parents, rising, yeah. you know, doing the things that they need to do. And yeah. also amongst that, my brother and um, his ex-wife, who I have a nephew who has a um, a disease called Batten's disease, which is like a childhood version of um, motor neurone um, oh, okay. disease. Yeah. And the way that they have dealt with that and the, and the, um, and the joy that they make sure goes into my nephew's life every day, not knowing how long he's gonna yeah. he's gonna have with us. Yeah, I think that quite often when I felt that you know that things were, it's hard if you've got something like that happening in your family. Yes, it's hard for you to ever really allow yes. yourself to feel like yeah. you know like you things are difficult. And, yeah, 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 for you yeah. because no matter yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> perspective. There is always someone worse off than yes. you, and when that person is actually in your family, yes. you can't give yourself time to yeah. be to be a victim. No, you know. No. So, um, and my dad. Oh, I have cool. a really fantastic, a really fantastic dad. He taught me everything I know about values and and yeah. having a values driven um, life. He taught us from when we were really young that we have a responsibility um, that goes outside of our own front door and yeah. out into the community. And I think all yes. three of us, uh, my sister and brother and, and myself, have all you know had lives and careers that um, that embrace that. Um, and also he's a man who's always who's always thought that I could do that all three of us could do anything that we wanted to oh, isn't that um, great? and you know to the extent that I remember that when I first graduated from university he would um, send me in the post as it was in <laughs> yes, those it days was. <laughs> like jobs that were in London for like and they would be like 90,000 pounds which yeah. would you know which be like, would be like yeah. you know $200,000 for like a new graduate. A graduate and I would say and I would say dad there's no way like yeah. they're yeah. not gonna make he'd say it's only the cost of a stamp yeah just, just the cost of a yeah. stamp just, just send, send your resume <laughs> send your resume <laughs> and isn't that like great though to have anybody in yeah. your life who has that sort of faith in you yeah. even if sometimes it's a little bit misplaced yes yeah is um you know is is, is really fantastic yeah. absolutely so. and it, that, that does and it creates a, it creates people thinking or it, it helps you to think bigger than you you, than you than you than you can that yeah you, like it helps you you push those boundaries yeah. to because there, there has to even though you're going 
there's no way. Like yeah. there is a question in your mind going, could I? That Like you just Maybe. start yeah. questioning and working out whether that's possible. So, yeah. Okay, last question. Finish this sentence. <laughs> if I had even more confidence than I do now, I would. Well. Look out world. Wendy. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think if I – at the moment, I'm going through a stage in my life where I'm torn between sort of carrying on down the path that I'm that I'm on career-wise and stuff and right. just kind of buying a house by the sea oh, and okay. not really working like I work yes. now and yeah. walking the dog and yeah. maybe writing and stuff yes. like that. But then there's a bit of me that worries that I'll end up old and destitute. Right, okay, yes. <laughs> so I think that, you know, I think I'm moving towards possibly having enough confidence to believe that I could actually make a life like that. I think okay. that I just need a little bit more of a yeah a push. To write, to be, to have like your just, writing well, be to, a... No, to have faith, that to have enough faith that, and I mean that in an entirely yeah, yeah. non-religious way, no, but yeah. just have enough faith that... I could do that and that it would still, everything would still, still be okay. Out, that I yeah. wouldn't, that in five years time, I wouldn't be like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. I've got no money left. <laughs> what were you thinking? Yeah. I'm on the yeah. pension. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, Wendy, thank you so much for being here today. And oh my goodness, that was just like, we could go on for hours. I just, there's so much more I want to know. You might have to come back and we'll talk more. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but your thoughts and insights, I'm sure so many women, um, you know, there's so many women facing all these challenges with divorce or relationship breakdowns or and in the current climate this loss of job and redundancy so thank you for your insights and what sharing with us what you've learned because it it is going to it's you know i've taken so much from our conversation today and i know our listeners will as well so well thank you so much <laughs> i really appreciate you being here and thank you to everyone for listening today and please remember to subscribe to this podcast if you like what you're hearing uh, please also leave us a rating and a review it makes such a difference to get our message out to the women in the world that we want to reach and just gets us that step closer to achieving our mission of making every uh, sorry making confidence every woman's new normal or you can head over to risewomen.com and look up all the resources and programs that we have there to help you build your confidence and until next time remember with confidence anything is possible bye for now